Men, welcome back to the Awake Podcast. My name is Liam and I'm going to be your host for this episode three. And this is an ongoing conversation where we seek to help you be awake, aware, and available to God in every area of your life. And I'm joined again by Joe for this session in episode three. Joe, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. Hello, everyone. Um, we were in different chairs the last time. I think I was where you were. I, <laughs> I think we just, were. We're really... We are being very innovative um, and relevant here by changing seats. Not no no podcast is the same. So if you're if you're just listening to us, <laughs> this won't affect you at all. But if it, you watch us, then hey, we're switching things up. So guys, for this week, we're going to be talking on recovery for wounds. This is a continuation from our session during the Awake series that we talked about the wounds that we carried, and I'm really excited to talk about this again because I think this topic specifically has a lot of potential to carry with it some fear and some shame, some embarrassment, and honestly, just uh, a a lot of questions, a lot of lack of familiarity with what this topic even means. But I think that this has a great potential if we're willing to lean into this conversation to provide a path towards healing for us. So Joe, can you just start us out by explaining a little bit about what wounds are and some examples of them? Yeah. And so thanks, Liam. And I think you're right. I mean, so many of us have unprocessed uh, wounds and those wounds keep us from being formed. And we always talk about what is discipleship? What is following Christ? It's the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And a wound really prevents you from doing that. We, we put in our awake time uh, on Tuesday mornings when we did that. Uh, we talked about a wound being a wound is a deficit in identity, relationship, or healthy behaviors caused by loss, neglect, or abuse in the process of your formation. So wounds can happen when you're young. Wounds can happen right in the present day. And if you don't if you don't process those wounds, if you don't seek recovery for those wounds, they will limit you. They will prevent you from growing. And most of the time, they will actually pull you back. You will, you will downgrade. You will, you will become less than what God is calling you into. And we use the illustration of um, a wounded people of the children of Israel mm. in, in Egypt. I don't know if you remember that, but in Exodus 6, um, God is telling Moses, tell them, I will do this. And it's just a whole line of, I will do this and I will do that and I will do this. And all you have to do is is depend on me and trust in me. And Moses shares it with the people and they go, they would not listen, it says, because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Mm-hmm. So they had someone over there, over them wounding them, but it broke their spirits. That's what w- wounds do. They break our spirits, which is um, just being uh, aware, awake and aware and available. And we talked about how a wound really blinds me from reality of who I am. It, we will question our identity. It blinds us from who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. It distracts us because it usually puts us into overprocessing or overburdening ourselves with anger or frustration, bitterness, revenge, all those kinds of things that a wound can Absolutely. do. And then that whole crippling element of a, of a wound where it just, it limits us in being available because we think about, well, um, until I get free from this or God could never use me, uh, I'm broken, he only uses the powerful. He only uses the successful who you know has it together. And so what we want to do is we want to think through each one of these wounds and um, 
and, and talk about what's your first step. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of this podcast, when you get done with it, I, I want everyone to have a picture of a wound that they're experiencing that they haven't they haven't been formed in yet. It's just kind of festered in their lives. Uh, and then secondly, to just think about what's my first step with this. So when you think about some of the wounds that you heard about or that we talked about in this, which one mm-hmm. stood out to you, Liam? Yeah, I would say the the family wounds are is really the one that kind of hit home for me. And honestly, this has been a discovery really just in the last year of kind of working sure. through a lot of stuff in my own life uh, that I wasn't aware of. And I realized that I had so many built up like distractions and coping, mm-hmm. coping mechanisms in my life that were keeping me from number one, being aware that this wound even existed. And number two, processing it in a healthy way. So that was the the biggest first step for me was just recognizing that I did carry wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that something we we, were all wounded in in one case. And again, I know that there's the common fear that whenever we go internal and we look at things that will trash our childhood or we'll call our parents, you know, uh, you know, villains and we're the victims of that. And I want you to really push that off. Let, let's not, let's just not try to focus and kind of iterate those things in our minds. Let's just look at what, at what deficit do I have in my life and why do I have that? And for me, for me, as we look at these different wounds, we talked about the disconnected wound, which is a deficit of community. So ultimately, as you look at that, if you're resisting being together with people, if you're more wanting to be isolated than you are vulnerable with others, if you're wanting to be more independent and you find more joy in being opinionated and critical and cynical of others than you do in supporting and encouraging others, there's some type of wound there. There's a story behind that wound. We don't Mm -hmm. know it yet. You may not even fully understand it yet, but usually you need to unpack that to find out what is it in me that makes me want to be more safe being disconnected from people than together and in community. Then we talked about family. And one of the key deficits that when we have a family room, family room, excuse me, (laughs) a wound, is just that picture of that foundation, that foundation of love and life-giving correction. And so um, maybe a father was passive, um, but very critical in your life. Maybe a mother was very controlling and covered you when you messed up, or you know, was that helicopter mother, and today still expresses a controlling, opinionated, um, you know, uh, commentary in your life that affects you as a married as a married man or an uh, an older. Uh, adult, single man. Um, Maybe it's a sibling that you've had a rivalry with or you were always compared to and there's some resentment in that. Um, For me, my wound was rejection. And it caused me to be, um, to have a deficit of, of, um, of trust and, um, and depth in relationship. And I just, even more recently, um, just being in more of the front role of a church with how much divisiveness there's been inside and outside of the church, rejection was something I had to learn mm-hmm. how to navigate. Because if, if I didn't allow God to form me through rejection— Oh my goodness, I would have been crushed. <laughs> yeah. And I would have certainly been depressed and probably would have quit. 
to be honest with you. Mm. If I didn't allow God to form me in this, it would have really started eroding my identity or my and even the perception of myself. Because when you have people calling you names, when you have people walking away, when you have people, you know, critical of you and your whole identity is in what people think of me, um, or even a a partial of, of my identity is in that. I, I find out even just a small amount of mm-hmm. that desire can explode into something greater. And isn't it crazy too, how oftentimes it is crisis or seasons of stress yes. that kind of drum up these wounds that we might not have been aware of. And we see Absolutely. just how entrenched they are in our hearts and our minds. And yeah. it's in those moments that God comes and he's like, okay, it's time that we're going to work on this together. I brought this to your attention and I want right. to, I want to work through this with you. That's right. So it's stress. Stress yeah. will bring that up or crisis. You know, it's kind of like if you had a, um, like, I remember this, uh, in this story. I, I gave a guy a shoulder block in a tackle football game without on, on Christmas, uh, not Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving day. Um, when I was in my twenties and I literally heard something up in my shoulder kind of go out of place. And I thought, Oh no. And I guess <laughs> I got it back together, but it was, it hurt me for like months after that in my twenties. Now, whenever I use that arm, uh, and overexert it, that memory mm. comes back to my mind. Oh, I remember when I did that and I was limited and I'm afraid to go to the doctor <laughs> to really find out why. Um, just how bad it might be. Yeah, just yeah. how bad it might be. But it's that, it's that picture, something happened that whenever you have stress or whenever you're required to be formed in that area or to rely on being resilient in that area, if you don't deal with it, it will just get worse. It will just get worse. Yeah. And just like in that example, pain is kind of the alarm sound that there's something wrong inside you. You know, our mechanisms of coping are oftentimes that alarm sound that Mm -hmm. tell us, hey, something's not right here because... You know, for me, it's, I'm spending way too much time diving into entertainment because I'm trying to distract myself from what's actually going on, from embracing the emotion that's inside of me, you know, facing the reality, being courageous and doing difficult things, the conversations I don't want to have. So Mm -hmm. those coping mechanisms can really, really be a signal that something, something else is going on. We got to press into that. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting just in, um, the Israelites in Egypt, we go back to that. Things actually had to get worse when they refused to listen. <laughs> Pharaoh actually had to go, okay, it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And because God was going to do his work and they, it, it, that's what usually happens with a wound is they get worse until you deal with them and, and find healing in them. That last wound that we didn't talk about yet was that one called the heart wound. And that's the the wound we all have. It's the broken heart in our relationship with God and with relationship to others. So if you are going and and you go, no, I don't have that disconnection wound. I don't have the family wound. I I don't deal with or I can handle rejection. It's no big deal. I don't care what people think of me. There is still that within us that wants to do life apart from God, that wants to exert ourselves, either protect ourselves or promote ourselves in a world of an identity crisis. And we want to probably navigate that without Christ. That desire to do that alone is a broken heart, is a brokenness in us. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're all wounded. And uh, it's better that we all say that I'm a wounded person. And it's good that we know those areas and that we think through what are our steps to recovery. So, Liam, let's talk about that now, that um, the deeper discipleship 
and you think about um, it, that discipleship is the process of being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. A deeper discipleship. How has a wound in your life, and I'm putting you on the spot here. Sure. How's a wound in your life caused you to allow God to form you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think it primarily started, you know, just to use the family example for me, um, there was an element of, of work that I had to do personally with the Lord, with a professional counselor, which I'm not going to jump ahead too far because no, we're talking okay. about deep discipleship here. But um, there was an element of work that I had to do to get to the place where I realized that God was going to use the experience that I had for the sake of others, that it was not just so that I might feel better yeah. myself but it's yep. so that he could use this story. He could use this experience so that I might be able to minister to other people mm-hmm. and give God glory through this experience instead of it just kind of being like, Oh, thank goodness. I'm past that. I yeah. feel a lot better now, but sure. he, he really wants, he wanted to capitalize on that and, and use that for a greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. I mean, it isn't that um, I, sometimes pain and suffering, loss, wounds, failure, those are an invitation to deeper in mm-hmm. discipleship. And you look at the way of Jesus was a way of suffering. The way of Jesus was the way of humiliation. The way of Jesus was a way of rejection. There's just something about that, that again, when Jesus says to his disciples, if the world hated you, you know, it hated me first. Mm-hmm. So we need to realize that these wounds or these hurts, the rejection, failure, this is all something that are in our lives as an invitation to grow deeper in a relationship with Christ. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, scripture was just a lifeline to me during that season. And I spent every day just watching Jesus through the scriptures, just listening to Jesus, seeing, and how does he just walk through life? How does he interact with people? Yeah, Um, I'm trying to come from this place of, I'm carrying this stress and anxiety and these Mm -hmm. wounds, and I'm watching my savior love people knowing the burden that he's carrying for the sin of the world. That's right. And it was just, it was life-giving to just come every day to just listen, sit at his feet, learn from him. And yeah, he was, he was my strength through that entire time. Great. So the second step is, so that's in your relationship with God. And I think your first step on that is I am open and available to hear from God daily and to worship God daily. So that means time in the in the word, but not just a checkbox, a mm-hmm. time to really listen. God, what are you saying to me in this passage? And um, what do I need to confess to you so that you're known and that you're forgiven and you're loved by God and you're just affirmed in that daily. And next is the people God has placed around you. And this is biblical community. People who are walking in, with Christ, processing challenges with you, supporting you in your faith and celebrating life together with you. And I, I've seen this a lot with me. I've needed people around me to go, okay, true. Um, they have said that about you but this is what I know you to be. Mm-hmm. And I've needed that. Um, and, and again, for them to be followers of Christ, I've had others who were not followers of Christ ask me how I've been, how I've been doing. And when I've shared some of that stuff, they go, oh, just forget about people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or uh, man, this, you know, uh, I would have a tough time with that. You'll know, you get some empathy, but you won't have someone who brings you back to Christ. And right. we all need brothers and sisters who can help us in that. And I know that for me, I've had a biblical community around me, not just the staff of our church or the elders, but friends 
who've gathered around me during difficult times like that. And it makes me think back to episode one, when we were talking about friendship and the value of having those guys that are, you know, seasons ahead of you and they give you perspective that, Hey, when you're walking through this season, I'm going to give you some perspective of what it's like to be on the other side of it. If they'd walked through something similar in their lives and those brothers right beside you and then, man, they are bearing your burdens right along with you and, and helping you through prayer and through, you know, Mm -hmm. challenge sometimes when we need it, reminders when we need it. And and a lot of times, uh, also those younger guys behind us can be a motivation of, of wanting to uh, wrestle well and struggle well for their sake too, that when they might go through that in their future, they have a picture in you of what it looks like to wrestle godly in a godly way. That's right. That's right. This next one is courageous conversations. And that uh, those are meaningful conversations that address the, the wound and seek restoration, not just seek, you know, venting mm-hmm. or, you know, I've, uh, I've, uh, you know, exposed you for who you are and what you've done in my life. But ones that basically says, look, I want us to be together. I want us to be good. I want to, us to, you know, love each other well. And I think um, those courageous conversations are what, what I call them were life-giving confrontation of past hurts and perceptions through the lens of grace. So we're engaging people with grace and truth, which God is full of as he's as as John reveals him in John chapter one, he's full of grace and truth. And so for courageous conversations, what we're talking about is the person who's offended you, the person who's rejected you, is there an opportunity for God to grow you together? And sometimes there is. Most times in family, most times there are. Um, but, But there's other times where it's not. It's not going to work. But I would still say try anyway. Mm. Um, I had someone who, um, was very, very challenging with me and, um, I actually went and, and spoke and talked to them and they didn't receive it. They received it just as they had received in other times. They took it personally, they became defensive and they started then tearing me down as a result in, in doing that. And there's going to be those, there's going to be those, but according to, as Romans says to us, Paul writes in Romans, he says, as far as possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all pe- all people. And I've sought peace in there. And so I don't have any regrets on that. I've been able to trust that person to the Lord. Um, But I've had far too many good conversations Mm. that were were those courageous ones that I put myself out there. The person had no idea they were coming across like that, or they had no intention of hurting me in that way. And we resolved that. So- Let me ask you this question. I think there's a level of woundedness or abuse or neglect that it might not be safe for a person to go to them, you know, maybe in that season, maybe ever. So what does this look like for somebody in that situation? Okay. So there's a level in which you're going to need help on, I mean, obviously sexual abuse or even um, physical abuse or sometimes verbal abuse that has so wounded you that, and that person has not changed or they've died and you can't restore with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still going to need to process that with someone. So I would trust a, a, a Christian therapist who can help you navigate that. And then once they give you or ask you, you know, to put together a thought that you run through them, I would also have people around me I could run through that with. I, sometimes I would take someone with me, a trusted person, 
that that person might hear also that's respected with them. And again, you'd have to put up with a, you're ganging up on me, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole angle of a, of a confrontation like that, that that may sound. But you are also putting a boundary on that person that they can't continue doing what they've been doing or saying what they've been saying and get away with it. Right. And, and that, even if it doesn't result in the intended desire that you've had, it still is putting up saying, no, you can't go any farther anymore. This mm-hmm. is not healthy and, and we need to stop this. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. So what about this last one? Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, wise ways to go about seeking professional help um, and that being a step towards recovery? Sure. I always encourage people um, to seek professional therapy if it spins in their heads and um, is doing far more damage than it should. Okay. In uh, now, obviously, um, again, some over the waterfall issues, sexual abuse, a lot, you know, physical abuse. You were beaten by someone uh, as a child. Um, you were disrespected in a, in a major way. Um, you're going to need someone who can basically chart out and help process the thoughts that are going through your mind and someone who's professional and is able to do that. In other words, sometimes a friend can't help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. I even think it's good to pay for that then because you have skin in the game of really approaching it from a different way than you've ever dealt with it and having some accountability and responsibility to navigate your mind. Because ultimately, a professional therapist doesn't want to make you dependent on them for the rest of your life. They want to ultimately help you process the you know health and wholeness with your mind so that you can apply what you're learning there. And it can be your decision and your action with you taking personal responsibility with what where God has you in life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really helpful to understand. You know, and with this topic of wounds, you know, a lot of this might be new for a lot of guys who are hearing it. I mean, I know it was new for a lot of guys when we went through it during the awake study. Yeah. And so I think in the newness of understanding our wounds, I think with that comes, you know, we have to wrestle with a lot of the emotions that surround these wounds. And so I just kind of wanted to recommend a book that's been really helpful for me. It's, it's called Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves. And it is, a, it is an incredibly helpful tool to begin to understand uh, and identify what emotions we're experiencing and then how to healthily walk through them in a Christian way and in a godly way. So that's one book that I would recommend, Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves. And I also just want to give an encouragement to all of you guys as you're going to be meeting together to discuss this topic. Um, you might be hearing this and thinking like, uh, I don't have any wounds. I don't have any issues or, you know, you're weak. If you have wounds, that may be a mindset that you have with you. Yeah. And I just want to ask you, be compassionate and gracious and give your ear to the guys in your group who might be processing through a lot of these things for the first time, be a safe space for them to ask these kinds of questions and help them come alongside them as they figure out what their best next step is. Even if you don't think you're wounded, even though we're all wounded in yeah. some way and in different measures, I would encourage you to, to see this as an opportunity to love one another well by giving your ear and showing compassion and grace to one another. Yeah. Joe, do you have anything else for yeah, us? Yeah, my last statement is, I mean, just building on what, what you said there, some of the most um, successful men I know have uh, a wound that only comes out in their success. 
Hmm. Okay. In that, um, man, I work 60 to 70 hours a week. I'm one of the high performance, you know, performers in my office. I, I've attained this level of income. I have this many choices in my life. Everything's going great. And there's this pressure that's welling up beneath them. This goes, you know, that's looking, that's looking for someone who said, well done or good job, or man, I'm proud of you. And they haven't heard it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a wound. It's a wound uh, that that is basically the wound of neglect, whether it's a passive father in the past or a past uh, a, a past statement of you're not a good worker or you're lazy like that was yeah. said, and that in some way they believed and they're using their adult life to prove that they're successful and that they're they're a good worker and they're longing for that they're not getting it. So it's just another level of striving and being mm-hmm. crushed by the world. And it's good. You may not need counseling for that one. Mm-hmm. You just might need to go, oh my goodness, I'm working so hard <laughs> to, to look to a father who says, man, I am so proud of you and I've not heard it. That's the vacuum in my life. Mm-hmm. I need to think about what is my life really here for and whose father am I looking to? My, my, my earthly father or my heavenly father? And what, what does he say on well done? Okay, and and where where am I in his eyes? I'm his beloved child. It's not what I do, but who I am in him that makes me who I am and what I should do. And so I think we need to just come to terms with that and and think not just keep doing, mm-hmm. but stop and pull back and go, no, I want I want better motivations for my life. Yeah. And I think you said it really well, inviting God to to speak into those situations. Hey God, what do you have to say? about this situation, how might my heart come in alignment with yours so that I can continuously be awake, aware, and available to all that you have for me. That's right. Joe, thank you so much again for being with us. And guys, we look forward to hearing stories about getting together over the course of this next month. We will see you soon. Bye.